Welcome, everybody, to episode 60, 60 of the Roses and Rhetoric Podcast. Joining me, as always, my charming co-host, Joseph Stanford. And joining us later, possibly any minute, will be our no less charming, no less Joe movie correspondent, Joseph Matz. But until then, it'll just be love between the two hosts. Joe, as always, we begin with a review of your week. Well, I just want to start off by saying that episode number 60 is uh, the next biggest deal after episode 52. So very yes. special episode today, I would say. If we, if we were... If we were thinking in terms of every 10 episodes, this would be our sixth one, you know, and, and if, if every every segment, you know, one of these uh, cardinal episodes, you know, this is a landmark. So I, I agree with you. These are always a, a big deal. I remember when we had episode number 10 getting into double digits and here we are a year and some eight weeks later and uh, number number 60 still going strong, keeping the streak alive, as it were. And um you know, it's just what a what a what a privilege to be here on the show again. Um, I guess our next big milestone would be maybe seventy, but it feels more like seventy-five would be kind of the next big one, kind of getting into. I, I think sixty-nine is going to be our next milestone. Well, that's going to be a major one. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Look, I don't want to get head over heels, so to speak. Just talking about our favorite episodes of our of our podcast before they happen, but. Uh, as it remains, a fun episode today ahead of us, I'm sure. Um, should be having quite a number of movie reviews today to go over. But as always, we begin with a review of Joe's Week. Yeah, so uh, I am in Tucson, Arizona today. I think I was in Portland last weekend or last episode. So we're not going to fact check you. So if you want to say you're in Portland, that's fine. <laughs> well, I, I will be in Portland tomorrow. So this is my last day in Tucson. You can expect me to be back in uh, Portland next weekend. But until then, I'm here sucking up the fresh mask-free air of Arizona, as I'm sure you do in Texas all the time, and getting my good weather in before returning to Portland for one one last final round, one last final Portland tour before uh, packing up all my stuff and bringing it down here uh, somewhat permanently. What is the uh, weather in Portland right now? It's bad. <laughs> it's just clouds and rain. Like, is, this, is this like the worst time of year for the Northwest? Yeah, the sun goes down at like 4 p.m. Yeah, isn't that horrible? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> a bit horrible when you wake up at noon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were actually just talking about this, and I, and I, I think it's appropriate. Joe and I always do a little, a little pre-show banter to kind of get the – the blood flowing and uh, we were talking about napping and Joe, you, you just came off of a nap. I, I would never be one to say that you look tired. I think you look great as always. I think you look great, but, but you are coming from a nap right now. You're, you're, you're coming off nap. Now you're a scant 29 years old as a month. You and I are, are very close in age. In fact, suspiciously close in age. I, I have my views on the nap and they've evolved over time. I'm curious how your views on the nap have evolved over time also. Well, I would say that, yeah, I, I did just take a nap before this. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, confusion with daylight savings time and start times. And uh, so I hopped on a little bit early and I uh, found myself with about 30 minutes to kill. So I, I just kind of laid back, kicked my feet up and closed my eyes. And uh, next thing I know, now I'm here. Uh, two things about the nap, I would say. Uh, I'm at my dad's house right now and it's like a million degrees in here. So uh recommend 
I would not recommend napping at a million degrees. I would recommend turning that dial down a little bit, like maybe low 70s would be like nice, even lower. Uh, the other thing is for contact users. Uh, yeah, napping in contacts is kind of rough because your eyes really don't work again for like another couple hours after the nap. So pop those bad boys out, turn down the dial and uh, you'll, you'll be in business. But regardless of all that, I'm here. I'm uh, regenerated, rejuvenated and uh, re ready for episode number 60. Well, let me... Let me share my thoughts on the nap. I, I'm a napper. I have been my entire life and I will continue to be one for as long as I live. I enjoy a good nap. I find that I'm better afterwards. Some people have a hard time getting the motor going again. I'm not one of those people. Let me say one more thing about the nap. If you use a sleep machine, you're a moron. If you play nature sounds, you need to evolve to sleep indoors. I cannot stand these people who need noise to fall asleep. I think you're a psychopath if you need that. I had a roommate in college who was a dear friend. I won't give his name out online for concerns of privacy, but in, in really he was a dear friend. But he couldn't fall asleep without the TV on. And I, that always just bugged the hell out of me. And I had another good friend growing up, younger, who had to have one of these white noise machines playing in the background all the time. I mean, this to me is inhuman. I like it to be quiet when I go to sleep. I don't want to hear uh, crickets or water, or a bad TV. I want to hear nothing. Right. Well, that's, that's one thing that I think that the white noise people are trying to accomplish is uh, drowning out any other noises. Because like you hear like a creak from the house, if it's dead quiet and you hear that creak, it might wake you up. Or if a dog barks, like a horn honks outside. But if you got that base level white noise, these one-off obstructions won't uh, necessarily wake you up. I was in a very noisy house this past week yeah. visiting my parents. And and I tell you, this, this house was noisy. I mean, it sounded like someone was just building the house as I was trying to fall asleep in it. I mean, really, it sounded like the walls were being boarded up. The pipes were breaking. Everything was creaking. It was horrible. Um, and so... I, I have come to appreciate silence as I've gotten older. And uh, when, I, when, when, I, when I find a quiet place, I just like to take it in. Uh, and so if you find yourself in a, in a, in a, in a quiet place, enjoy it, because uh, they are few and far between these days of our electronic gadgetry. Harder and harder to find quiet in this world. And, um, and yes, I... I uh, I, I really enjoy it when I, when I find it. Well, well uh, maybe uh, you should invest. So in let's it. all just be quiet Yeah, we'll for the next few seconds. <laughs> I'd like to have a moment of silence for silence's sake. I don't need a reason. Let's just have a moment of silence. We just started having those in the middle of this morning event. Everybody just be quiet. Oh, why? Does someone die? No, no one died. Just be quiet. Hush. And then that'd be nice. Yeah, I think we could all benefit from that. I think so, too. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back next time. <laughs> for 61. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Um, 
Well, well, what more did I want to say on napping? No, I, I just wanted to defend it. I think people sometimes attack the nap without warrant, and I wanted to defend it a little bit here. And I, I was pretty sure that I had a nap ally in you, so I wanted to give you a chance to voice your opinion as well. Yeah. Um, Who's ragging on the naps? I, I don't want to give their name out online, but people I know who, oh, I, I, I don't take naps. I don't do that. I don't, you know, have you tried it? I mean, come on. I, I think everybody keeps a good nap every now and then. Um, I'm trying to get any more highlights from my week before we get into the meat of the episode. And um, I don't, I don't think I have anything. Um, you know, I, I will say this, and I, I probably have said this before. There really is not a good way to wash your hands when you're wearing long sleeves. You know what I mean, Joe? Because you're going to get some water on your sleeves. Yeah, explain. And so, for people who don't know what I'm talking about, when you when you're wearing a shirt with long sleeves and you go to put your hand under the faucet, we all do this kind of awkward uh, hand manipulation to avoid water getting on our wrist that then gets absorbed by the cuff of the shirt and never dries. I mean, these shirts will stay wet for probably half an hour and that's a lifetime in, you know, in terms of uh, wearing a shirt. So it, uh, it, it's very awkward and very annoying. I was in the airport this weekend, going to the bathroom in the airport. It's always a hassle already. Plus, it was wintertime, so I was wearing a jacket or and or a long sleeve underneath it. So it was just a lot of really awkward struggling to pull up my jacket sleeve, which doesn't have much given it, and then my long sleeve shirt that also did not have much given it. Um, it was like trying to pull my arm out of a Chinese finger trap, and it wasn't going anywhere. And my, and my cuff didn't go up very high, and so everything got wet. And so there's not a good way of doing that. So I'll be putting my mind to the task these next few years of trying to think of a way to wash uh, your hands while wearing a long sleeve shirt. But uh, as of right now, I don't have a solution for that. But if you have a solution for that, let us know in the comments below, because I would be happy to know what it is. I've got a solution. Besides not washing your hands. All right. Well, I don't have a solution then. Yeah. So everybody <laughs> back to square one. Um, no, it sucks. It's really awkward. It really is awkward. Um, but we'll all get through it together. It's, a, it's okay. There's just... There's there's few things in life, Joe, as annoying as having clothing being wet. Right. When you don't want it to be wet. Right. You know, there, there, there's nothing. It just feels bad. It feels uncomfortable when you're wearing a shirt and it rains on you. When you're at an amusement park and someone has this stupid idea of going to the wet, to the water park version and you get wet and now you're whore. And now you've ruined your outfit and your clothes and everything is chafing. And it's just been the whole rest of the day walking around like an idiot. It always feels uncomfortable. And so the wet shirt sleeve is a microcosm of that more general phenomena of human beings liking in general to be dry and not wet. We're not fish. We're not whales. Right. We're not dolphins. We're people. We're mammals. We're so, so yeah, so I don't have a good solution for the, for the wet cuff, but um, I'm looking for one. I'm thinking of one. And if you have, like I said, let us know in the comments below. We'll, we'll be happy to pass it along to our, to our audience. Yeah. And, and speaking of wet clothes and travel in general, mm. uh, yeah, I want, I have a moment like that too, that I can think of. And it's, if you're stuck on one of these planes in the middle seat and then you have people on either side of you and you're kind of just forced to like have your arms like, at your sides the whole time, like you can't like open up, you can't like air out. You can definitely get some moisture in the underarms at that point, especially if there's larger people sitting on either side of you, thermally insulating you from the colder airplane air. And also giving off their own heat. Yeah. Generating their own heat. 98.6, baby. A warm heat. A warm heat. Yeah. 
So that's a, that, that, that alone is the reason I don't like the middle seat is for that reason. Uh, also, cause I have to use the laboratory on the planes usually during long flights. And I don't like, uh, I don't like bug bugging people to get up. Cause like most of these people are like kind of obese and it's kind of like a big, like effort for them to have to unstrap themselves and untuck themselves from their seat and get up and let me out. So, uh, yeah, that's why I don't use middle seats anymore. Um, and yeah, if, if anyone has any solutions to this wet clothing problem, uh, I think that could get me on the road back to middle seats at some point. Which is always nice. It flies up travel options. Yeah, no, I, I almost exclusively when I can get the aisle seat. Yes. I always look for the aisle seat, which I think is a no brainer. I, but I just want to put that out there. Too. I always look for it. Well, yeah, especially when you have the reflectotron. Absolutely. And people wondering what the reflectotron is, check out earlier episodes on a now defunct YouTube channel called Abstract Acumen, which is no longer around. There is another Abstract Acumen channel, but it's not one I'm talking about, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, is that one on this on this show, Joe? <laughs> I know you remember. Uh, maybe I think it might have. I think it might have might been come around in the early day, in the early days. Well, Google on our website, which still exists, and we're still putting stuff up on. And uh, every week, rosesrhetoric.com. Google that one around, see if it comes up, and if so, a funny story for the for the more adventurous. And if it doesn't come up, let us know. <laughs> let us know in the comments below. Um, if it seems like we're trying to kill time, we are. And it's because we're waiting for Joe Matz, our wonderful movie, movie correspondent, to come on to talk about some movies from this week. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I wanted to talk to you, but besides that, besides the movies that he wants to review today, um, but not really, I had a pretty quiet week. So I, I, you know, anything else on your mind, I'm happy to talk about until Joe hops on. All right. Well, where do we start? <laughs> no, where, how anything in, in your inbox? You gave some some rebuttals last week. Any more follow up from that on uh, affirmations and other things you were talking about with? Um, yeah. So a few people Virginia? are, are uh, did listen to those episodes and did start doing some affirmations of their own. So um, for those people out there, like we'd love to hear about your progress. You can just send that to us or share your stories or your experiences whether they work or don't work or if you can stick with it or not stick with it i recommend you do stick with it um but yeah they can call in or they can let us know how that progress is going and we'll keep you the viewer updated on that because i know um some of the listeners wanted some more case studies on this um but i, I gotta say i i was listening to you know i've been following the news i follow it day to day and I just want to give a shout out to the court systems that we have. Um, maybe not necessarily the court systems, but the people who designed the court systems. Because what I've realized with a lot of these past few major trials is that the court system really isn't designed to support, to enforce the rule of law and decide, make decisions according to that. It's leaves that decision up to the people, a representative amount of the people, the jury, if you will. And what that allows is it allows the people to kind of make a ruling based on the sentiment of the country, maybe not necessarily the facts of the case. And I think at the end of the day, that's like what keeps things together that really holds down yeah. the rioting, keeps people from like being at each other's necks too much. Um, what do you think? Have you experienced this? 
You well, disagree. I I guess I don't know. I was um, I listened to a podcast this week called Serial, which is like now three years old, and it was maybe more than that. And it was a lady that was following, um, and she was a reporter, but she was kind of following kind of the the inner workings of the of the court systems in Ohio, and uh, in Cleveland, and also in East Cleveland. And um, I, I guess what I would say kind of in, in conjunction with what you're saying and kind of based off of my listening to her, her podcast on this is that, um, and I don't, I don't know quite how you do it, but basically I, I think we need more civilian oversight of the judicial system in general and of police in particular. And that kind of seems to mesh with what you're saying about the jury in, in some way. But um, my, my feeling is that legal things become complicated very quickly. And I don't, because they, be, because they become complicated very quickly, unless you're really well-versed in law, obviously this is why we all have rights to attorneys and we can have a public defender and that kind of thing. But um, I think it's weird. I, I've said this before on the show, but I always think it's weird how they, you know, they ask if you want a lawyer present. Now to me, it would just make more sense if the lawyer just was like already in the room. It's like, and it was like, tell him to leave, but like, don't ask if you want one to be brought in. Um, and so, and so I guess I don't, I don't know enough about the particulars of if I, of, you know, the role the jury plays aside from just, you know, trying to arbitrate the case or not. But, but my, my, my feeling about the, the judicial system as it currently exists is that people in it are very overworked. And as a result, there's a lot of systemic things that are hard to change that just from the momentum of bureaucracy that seems to have taken over quite a bit of it. And, um, and so I, I think, you know, one thing I would like is some some way of getting more civilian oversight over it so that we are all are made aware of these complexities that exist. And then also just to have more protection for protecting people from their own ignorance, I guess, especially when it comes to legal matters. And I think one of them is just the lawyer should just always be there. I mean, I think even if you waive your right to an attorney, uh, you know, it's like maybe there's a maybe there's a better way around that. We're like rather than waiving your right to an attorney. All, you know, all at once, the attorney is always there giving you advice and you can, you know, choose to accept or reject the advice in each iteration of a question that you're being asked by a detective or something like that. Yeah. So basically, I, my, my, my feeling is I think we should be doing more for, for defendants. I don't know if that's in line with what you're saying or not, but that's kind of my takeaway from listening to this podcast this past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I will say that it is that is one of the shortcomings of the legal system is that it's become this confusopoly where the layperson can't even understand the verbiage. Right. Yes. Actually, want to explain what 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 a what a confusopoly is? That's a Scott Adams throwback, which I think is yeah. always always in play in our in our world today. Uh, confusopoly is like a phenomenon you see in like business or the legal system or really just anywhere in general where things just get so overwhelmed and confused by bureaucracy that you can no longer see the connection between like action and results or like things just become so confusing and con conflated and so documented and there's so many rules that it's like 
it just opens an avenue for like corruption or just things that shouldn't be happening because you can't tell what's happening because you can't follow the process because it's so confusing. And that's exactly why you need lawyers to uh, represent you in court, like you said, because they're almost translators. They act as a translator between you and the legalese that they're presenting to you and that the court system operates off of. Um, but I mean, the, the larger point I was making is that unfortunately we live in the society today where um, the, the people involved in court cases, like especially in murder cases, for example, um, unfortunately the race of the people involved is, has a lot of weight. It's very important to the decision, the outcome of the case, or at least the country's response to the case outcome. So, I mean, unfortunately, like, yeah, like depending on the race of the people, the jurors have the opportunity to override the law just to keep peace in the nation. And I think that we see that over and over again. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big confusopoly. It's very, it's not a great system. It's not perfect, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's the most reliable thing we have today. And it is interesting that I found this out that you have to have all the jurors like agree on the decision. Like you can't just have like half and half. Like if right. that's the case, it goes like it just goes back and forth, goes back forever till they all agree on something. So that means you just get one good persuader on the jury, and that's like that's it. The right. Case is decided. So it's well, and there's also, and I I only know this because I know people that have been involved in jury cases that have been not just on the jury case, but actually you know went it went all the way through to like to the to the jury deliberation at the end, um, and. Um, there's all these interesting you know, rules for, you know, after the court's over, you know, what, what evidence the jury can like see again or like whatever, like their, their access to, to things is limited um, when they're doing their deliberation as well, which, I, which is interesting. I don't remember all the specifics of it, but, um, but no, I mean, it does, it, it, it always reminds me of um, this kind of this dichotomy you're talking about, you know, persuaders, but even just more generally, people who are extroverted and are, and are willing to talk a lot, you know, I would worry that they would have an undue sway over the jury as well. Um, you know, if you just have a person who's, you know, very boast, you know, very boisterous and you know, voicing their opinion, it's like how much does shyness affect the outcome of a jury or something? I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I think persuasion is definitely in play also. Um, to me, what's interesting about, about the jury system is that people bring into it not only their own biases, but also their own ignorances. I mean, like no one is just a blank slate going into the trial. You know, like we all know things and we all bring our knowledge into the, into the courtroom, but we also bring our, our lack of evidence in there as well. And so, you know, if you're, if you're somebody, you know, say that the, that the court case is entirely about video surveillance or something and you know absolutely nothing about how a television works or how how a you know a camera works versus someone who knows a great deal about how a camera works those two people are going to be impacted by information that the you know either side is giving them about the case and so you know i i don't this is it's, it's i i the phrase jury of your peers i almost think like i guess depending on who your peers are i don't know that you would want your peers to be on your case 
<laughs> I think if you're if you're like really guilty, you might want people that are dumber than you or someone that you think might be more persuadable than you are <laughs> in order to convince them of your innocence or something like that. I don't know that the jury of your peers is always uh, what you're looking for, but um, but yeah, no, I, I was thinking about that quite a bit listening to this podcast and about about juries. And also, I mean, I think I was thinking this too, but you know, in in high school. And I, I can speak a little more liberally about this because you and I went to the same high school, but, you know, we did have a class on government where they teach you broadly how government works. You have three branches of government, you elect people, this and that, and all the kind of the broad brushstrokes. Fine. Why don't we do any training in high school about how to be good jurors? I mean, doesn't that seem like a, like a fairly important thing that we all should be training ourselves for, like how to think logically through like a court case? I mean, it's, it's, it seems weird that we don't really do any training for this in like a very concrete way. Like I'm, I'm sure when you become a juror, they might give you some stuff there on the spot, but yeah, I just think there should be something more formal or concrete than that. I mean, we're all taught how our government works when we're 18 and we're in high school, we learn that it's important. And I think it's important. We should, that's one of the key things we should learn about, but I think also we should learn how to be good participants in the jury system. And we should learn how to follow a, a, a case and we should learn how to follow laws as they're being presented to us. We know different standards for what, what is reasonable doubt? You know, what is, what is evidence? What is, re- I mean, these are all things that are important that people's lives depend on or, and also that justice depends on. And yet we don't really have any training for this, which I think is, is kind of bizarre uh, given that this really was, we don't think of it this day. We think of it as kind of being a burden being called to be a juror, but back in the day, this was a tremendous moral breakthrough and now it's become kind of this burden that people like look to get out of jury duty, like, oh, I got to get out of it, you know, try and call someone. But, but you think that we would take, take it more seriously and, and put some kind of formal training in place to make sure that when we're in this capacity, we are doing our due diligence as jurors in that, in that capacity. Have you, uh, have you done jury duty before? I've never been called for it, ever. Yeah. yeah I'm 29 years old. I've never, and my wife has been called for it at least once, maybe more than once. I've never been called for it a single time. Yeah, maybe it's, you just don't have the prerequisites. You don't have the prerequisite training. I, I know. I've got to get my resume updated. Uh, but no, I, I I do think it's funny um, that we think about like a burden. And I, I understand why it is. You know, it's like, oh, I got to get out of this freaking courthouse. I mean, anyone's, anyone who's ever been down to a courthouse knows what, what a freaking pain it is to go down there. I had, to, I had to pay a parking ticket before and it's just a nightmare to go down there. And yeah, I, I don't know why you have to go to court when you get a traffic ticket, but you do. And it's this whole rigmarole of like, you, know, you stand up and you say whatever, and you know, you take the driving course or whatever, and it's just annoying. But, um, but I mean, every now and then it's like, yeah, it's really important. And if you're a juror, and it just seems like we don't really take that very seriously, I think. Yeah, yeah, they don't make it very convenient. And uh, I don't know, these government buildings aren't very uh, homey, they're not very warm. and <laughs> welcoming i feel like especially court buildings they're usually yeah. like the part of town like there's shady characters around like all the criminals are hanging around well it's a court it's a court <laughs> yeah alleged criminals alleged you know alleged <laughs> but also sometimes actually <laughs> it's a throwback from mcdonald all right um yeah, but no, I was thinking about that uh, a lot because, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, again, back to our, I mean, our, our court system, it's a lot, basically, in a, I, I've never really faced any criminal charges in my life. I've never really had any run-ins with the law. But, um, but listening to this podcast, I, I get the impression that it's the, it's the kind of thing that can snowball very quickly. 
And, um, you know, to me, what it kept coming back to is oversight and this idea of, you know, it seems very broad to be able to waive your right to an attorney. I mean, I, maybe that seems like a mundane point to people on the show, but I think, you know, it just, it seems weird to me that you would, it's a lot of power to kind of say, ah, I want to, I, I don't want a lawyer. It's like, oh, maybe I, you, you probably do. <laughs> you probably just, do want a lawyer. It's just bullshit that the system set up in a way that just by some procedural error or something like you could get screwed over like in terms of your outcome your verdict just from some like procedural error that you didn't know about or some maybe piece of paperwork well and and which is why to your point earlier you know the confusopoly the lawyers that are there you know they're there in in the judge as well but i mean the problem is that no one's perfect and when there's a lot of things to watch over something can fall through very quickly um and so it comes down to like do you have a good lawyer is your lawyer on your game that day is your lawyer you know, of, of clear mind or were they tired from the night before? I mean, all these little personal variables that can come into play and all of a sudden, you know, they miss something or the judge misses something. And, you know, it just, it's, it's, in fact, a, a thing like that happened on the podcast I was listening to where the judge thought that they heard something that the prosecutor said that wasn't in the transcript, but it got reported as if it was, I mean, and it was just, just like that. Boom. And that was ended up having a, a fairly important, um, added an added an important complexity to to this, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I it's it's one of those monoliths that's just you know. I mean, it's a massive infrastructure of you know the legal system. It, how do you change that? I don't know. I mean, it's it's you know all these things are are built and pieced together over time, and they're constructed in a time that isn't the same as the time that it finds itself in. And so, you know, that's going to create problems and you're trying to change it quickly, but as you're changing it, time moves forward. And so new challenges are coming. I mean, this is all David Bush. Problems are inevitable. Problems are soluble. But um, when it's your, when it's something like a, like a court case, obviously the stakes are very high. And so it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure frustrating people that are caught in it. So these people that are like found guilty of murder and like are let go 20 years later because they were found innocent. Can you imagine being in prison for 20 years yeah, and be like, yeah, that wasn't me. It's like, oh yeah, it wasn't you. Oops. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> 20 years, dude. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's outrageous. But it's like what, what processes or what institutions haven't just gotten more complicated over time? Like, is there anything think, that's actually reversed and like started off as a cute confusopoly and got better to something else? No, I, I can't think of any. Hey, in fact, let's ask our movie correspondent, Joe Matt, what he thinks about this. Let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll tee Joe in. Joe. There he is. Hey, hey we, we are recording. Let me give you a 30-second interlude into what we've been talking about before we get into your movie reviews, because I feel like you'll probably have good insight into this as well. We're talking about juries and courts and all that fun thing. <laughs> sure. I, I three years late. I just listened to the serial podcast from uh, Sarah. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, think it's more than three years. How late. dare you? The one, the one from when she was in Cleveland, Ohio, not the one about the murder kid. Oh, okay, okay. Alleged murder kid. I don't know. I know. I think he was found guilty. Well, either way, um, I don't remember how that one ended. I was watching one when she was in Ohio. Anyways, we were we, we were talking about 
systems in general that are very complicated. And we were trying to think of an example of a system that began complicated and then got reformed to be simpler. Joe and I couldn't think of one. And so we're wondering if you can think of one. Wow. Began complicated. Became simpler. Here's some anti-examples. Yeah, that. yeah. Give me a good anti-example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit me. <laughs> the anti-examples we talked about are like the court system, for example, the legal system in the U.S., uh, maybe the tax system in the U.S., uh, sure. possibly the DMV. Um, I don't know. But we're, we're trying to come up with examples that are the opposite of that, things that started off real complicated and got better over time. And uh, we're, we're Right. Still- it almost, as you guys clearly <laughs> realize, it almost always goes the other way. Right. Um. Shit. It's like the entropy increases everywhere, right? <laughs> the um, we were. I, I was saying. I think it's it, it's like too broad a thing to waive your right to an attorney, and that like a better system would be to just always have a lawyer in the room with you, and they can mm. give you advice, and like on a on an instant by instant basis, you can kind of ignore their advice rather than just like pull carby on. Like, ah, I don't want an attorney. It's like you probably do. And so rather than just giving it all away, just have them in the room with you and be like, I don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Like just have them there. Right. It's really just trying to benefit off of people's ignorance as opposed to giving everyone the, the same shake. Yeah. True. That's what we were talking. So I, I think it's pretty hard to decline legal representation though. Like I think they really push it pretty hard. Well, like, I, there, there, I, I, I do remember there was a case a few years ago in Louisiana where the guy was arrested and he said like i want an attorney dog to the police and the judge later ruled that he requested an attorney dog and thus he had did not like did not request an attorney legally and so the police were fine to do everything they did afterwards well that one seems pretty clear and simple to me joe That one should have been, but apparently the judge thinks some people want dogs to be their attorneys because they watch too many Disney movies or something. Everyone um, knows that lawyers yeah. are just dogs anyways. No, I don't really think that. I don't. Um, that's, that's pretty good, Joe. Well, so now we have two Joes on the... For people who don't know how I keep the two Joes apart, I'm, I'll be referring to one Joe as Joe with an E and one to Joe with just the J-O. <laughs> That's how I'll be referring to them on this episode. Now, I, I have a hard cutoff time in about 40 minutes. And Joe, I know that, of course, I'm talking about Joe J.O. right now. Joe, I know that you were watching some movies this past week that you wanted to talk about. And so let's when, when, when you're ready, we can hop into that. And if we need to go back to talking about the court system, we can go back to putting the three best legal minds on this podcast Back, back to the discussion. A lot of competition there. <laughs> and, and if you're looking for a great podcast from the year 2018, I recommend Serial from Sarah Koenig because that was one of the best episodes. I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of it, and it was well worth the wait. All right, so I, I wanted the movie people are most likely to have seen that I saw this last week, and that is Eternals. Oh, that uh, if you want to watch it, it's. Only in theaters. Uh, they, they, Disney and Marvel stopped putting everything directly to Disney Plus. Now they want to go make those. Does that mean COVID box open? office money? Yeah, yeah. Now that COVID has been solved, <laughs> Disney, so when, Disney solved COVID, and now, and now we're all going to go watch Eternals and have a have a C plus time. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty close, Jimmy. Um, what it's about, a group of unaging aliens, the Eternals, have lived on Earth for thousands of years protecting humans from another group of aliens known as Deviants. When a Deviant shows up for the first time in 500 years, the Eternals must reunite to deal with the threat. Is it good? It's a lesser Marvel effort, but still enjoyable for most superhero fans. The most exciting aspect of Eternals production was who was helming it, Chloe Zhao. Zhao was coming off three well-reviewed indie films, culminating in last year's Nomadland, that won Best Picture and ended Zhao a Best Director win as well. All three were character studies that Zhao enhanced with an exceptional eye for the natural beauty of the American heartland. Alas, you'd never know she directed Eternals. Marvel head honcho Kevin Feige may have been blown away by her shooting a real-life sunset rather than just using CGI for everything. But her style is only felt at the margins as the requirements of the MCU machine ultimately overwhelm the film. Zhao does get in some good fights. The Deviants being animal-like rather than humanoid allows for a greater level of violence than most Marvel films. But it's hard not to view this as a waste of her talent. The large and diverse cast is also talented, and the film does a good job of differentiating their powers. But some ultimately fare better than others. Gemma Chan Cersei is amusingly named considering her two romantic partners are played by Richard Madden and Kit Harington, best known as Rob Stark and Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. The problem is that may be the most notable thing about her. Despite the ostensible, being the ostensible lead of the film, Cersei may be the least sketched out. She can transform matter via touch and has a deep love for humanity, but the latter we gather more from being told this by another character than anything we see on screen. Chan's a plenty capable actress, but she was a heck of a lot more fun playing a villain in Captain Marvel than she is here as the void at the center of the film. Lost my place there. Madden also feels constrained by his role as Icarus, the flying laser eye shooting alpha of the group. If that sounds similar to a non-Marvel superhero, the movie is well aware, with a kid directly calling Icarus Superman. This brings up the existential question of whether DC Comics exist within the MCU, but well, that's a rabbit hole for another time. Madden's charisma feels tampered down, but he at least gets to play with some more complicated motions later in the film. Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek both get vague characters that were more, we've more or less seen before. Jolie's Thena is a super warrior suffering from a form of PTSD that randomly kicks in whenever the plot demands it. While Hayek's Ajax, a man in the comics, is the wise leader whose death helps bring the rest of the team together. Neither is bad. There's just not much they can do with these parts. On, a, on the better side, Leah McHugh's sprite is just as old as the rest of the Eternals, but stuck in the body of a 12-year-old, leaving her to be treated as a child, both by the world at large and the other Eternals. McHugh does a good job channeling sprite's frustration, while allowing her to not be fully defined by it either. Don Lee's Gilgamesh has super strength, which is offset by the softer side that Lee exemplifies despite having little screen time. Brian Tyree Henry's Fastos is a master inventor who's become despondent over humanity's use of technology for mass destruction before finding redemption in his own family. Fastos is the MCU's first openly gay superhero, and we shall be thankful he's portrayed by an actor with the skill of Henry, who ensures the character doesn't come off as token, but rather multidimensional. Lauren Ridloff's Makari is another first as a deaf superhero with extraordinary speed. She imbues Makari with a strong sense of fun and flirtatious chemistry with Barry Keoghan's Druig, an eternal who can manipulate the minds of others. Keoghan makes a strong impression, as he always does, tinging the righteousness behind Druig's objection to the 
Turnell's rules against interfering with humanity with just a little bit of petulance. The scene stealer, though, is Kumail Nanjiani's Kingo. Nanjiani famously got ripped for the role, but more importantly, his comic timing remains excellent. Kingo fires cosmic energy projectiles with his hands, but his real superpower is making the movie way more fun whenever he's on screen. Kingo's become a Bollywood star for a century, pretending to be five generations of men from a single family, and uses the new crisis to begin filming a documentary about himself and the rest of the Eternals with the help of his valet, played by Harish Patel, matching Nanjiani's hilarity every step of the way. If this review feels like me primarily breaking down a long list of characters, that could be because the film has the same problem. Getting the gang back together can be a lot of fun, but you usually use a montage for some of it so it doesn't take up two hours of your movie. Zhao and her co-writers had a tall task introducing us to nearly a dozen new superheroes, and it proves too much at times. Still, even with the narrative hiccups and a lead character less fun than everyone around her, the movie is largely a good time thanks to a finale that still feels character-driven rather than a mindless CGI fest and a talented cast that enlivens the material. It's not a must-see, but if you're into the MCU, it'll be worth your time. So I, I'm going to say if you're real into the MCU, I'll give it a B-. If you're ambivalent about superheroes, drop it down to a C+. Uh, other films to watch. The writer and or Nomadland to see Zhao, what Zhao is truly capable of and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings for the MCU's best 2021 entry thus far. That wasn't long enough. Naomi, can you tell us some more about the film? <laughs> <laughs> that was the problem. I was, like, I was like, shit, there's 11 main characters in this movie. It's ridiculous. Um, I haven't seen The Eternals. I didn't even know that it was a thing until I went and saw the James Bond movie and saw a preview for it. Sure. I mean... Joe Stanford, did you see The Eternals? I bet a million dollars the answer is no. Uh, no, I didn't, but I was told that I may or may not have had a doppelganger in it. So maybe oh, I'll that. Wait, who? Superman? Uh, I, I guess Harry Styles is in it or something. Yeah, so uh, spoiler alert for anyone, but... Uh, Joe, spoiler alert! Two, Good God! One of the two after-credit scenes, Harry Styles shows up. Okay. Also, uh, more, more exciting for me, uh, the very uh, one of the other credit scenes, you hear the voice of Mahershal Ali, and he is going to be playing Blade in the MCU. I just hope that oh, yes. it's still really messed up and gory, but we'll see if the MCU is willing to go that far. We all know that Blade 2 is the best thing that happened to sword fighting in cinema since Seven Samurai. So that's... I'm not going to argue that. Blade 2 is fantastic. <laughs> uh i love blade blade yeah what well, that's great um joe i feel like i'm kind of like mcu tapped out at the moment you don't, don't you feel the same way that's fair are you are you talking to me joe or the other joe i'm joe, talking to joe i'm, I'm, I'm talking to J-O. yeah okay pick up if the e was at the end of that or not J-O. yeah guys listen i'm saying <laughs> joe joe is in J-O. come on um i mean i i keep watching all of them but i definitely there's not the anticipation that there was like 10 years ago. <laughs> it's now that there's like four, there's going to be four MCU movies this year because we've got Spider-Man coming out at Christmas. And then we just had the fourth MCU show drop this week as well. So I definitely feel a little bit overloaded, especially I also did a, a podcast recapping 
the Winter Soldier one, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that really burned me out. Was having to actually podcast after every one of those episodes. So, yeah, I I definitely feel a little burned out, even though I still enjoy all of them. It's just it's hard to feel the excitement that there used to be. Whereas the new Batman coming out next year, I am legitimately super hyped for. Yeah, I am too. Because Robert Pattinson is a total badass, and everybody who hates him is a bunch of little losers. And we're going to be proven correct about that come, what is it, March? Listen, anybody who dies who dies Robert Pattinson as being a cool, you know, superhero fighter, A, go see Twilight, and B, go see Tenet. <laughs> right? I mean, to, to definitely see the second one. Yeah, you're right. Definitely see the second in the series of Twilight. You're right. <laughs> definitely. You're right. No, definitely see the second one. And then also see Tenet. Um, I, I know you just want John David Washington and Robert Pattinson movies for the rest of your life now after Tenet. So. Well, I do because they have wonderful chemistry. And Joe's frozen because he knows and I'm right. Um, Joe Stanford, you and I saw Avengers in college. We saw all the Avengers in college. What, what's the last movie that, that you've seen in theaters? We were the Avengers. We were and are the Avengers. We are the Avengers. Uh, geez, last movie I saw in theater. I can't even remember. It must have been pre-COVID, like years ago. Um, I don't know. What, what, what about you? What was the last movie you saw in theaters? I do. And Joe and I talked about it extensively on this on this podcast, and it was a wonderful time. Yeah, I did. I did watch it on the TV. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That's a good question. I'll have to think of that. What my last the last movie I saw was. Well, I mean, Joe Joe Match has dropped off, but he'll be back on in a moment. We'll 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 get him back on to close out the segment. Before he hops back on, I would like to get your thoughts on Dune. Um, I actually so I. I say that I watched it. Let me and let me preface by telling you that I absolutely loved it. And if you don't <laughs> like it, it'll hurt our friendship. But besides that, I'm totally open-minded. Well, here's so the thing. Max, before you start talking, I'm letting Joe Stanford explain why he liked Dune so much. So we're gonna give him just one minute to finish that off. Oh, all we'll right. Yes, absolutely. Then we'll go back to you back later. So I, I, Joe, back to you and how our, our friendship hangs in the balance over this question. How much did you like Dune? I, I like Dune because Ty liked Dune. Good answer. People who don't know who Ty is, Ty's a good friend of ours, and that's a good enough answer for me. Okay, back to Joe with a J and a O. Um, no, let's 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 finish talking about the Eternals about here now. I, let me the the reason are you frozen again already? You just got back on. <laughs> Uncanny timing. Lisa's frozen with a smile. Lisa's <laughs> frozen with a smile, and it is a good smile. He has very nice teeth. Um, Joe Stanford, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you why I'm tired of superhero movies, and then you, you tell me if you agree with it or not. Basically, superhero movies tend to not have that many consequences. Typically, people don't die in them. Almost always, the good guys win. Even in the Avengers, it's like they lost, but then they came back in the second one, and they won, talking about it in any game. There's never really any moral weight to it. All right, hold up. Joe Matz, this is your last this is your last strike because you keep on dying on us. He's, he's not even listening to us. What a great episode number 60. If God is just having fun listening to this episode, be sure to check back weekly because we do this once a week. Joe, you're muted and I'm my last nerd. Um, okay. Joe Max, I'm going to tell you the question I just asked Joe 
which is why I'm, I'm a little burned out on the MCU. And I want to get your thoughts on it as well. I'll be very quick so you don't freeze again. <laughs> Basically, the, my, 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 I'm bored with them because superhero movies tend to not have consequences. The people tend not to sure. die. They almost always win. Even in the Avengers, they lost, but then they came back and won. You know, there, there, there's never any real... There, there's no consequence for the plot, you know, where it's going from the beginning. It never goes sure. anywhere besides that. So I was asking Joseph Stanford his thoughts are on that. Let, let's let Joe with the E go first. And we'll go back to Jay with the J and O to, to follow up with his response. Uh, wait, I'm confused. Who's supposed to go? <laughs> Jay, Jay with the Joe. Jay with the Joe. Jay with the Joe. Jay with the Joe. Jay with the no. Don't act like you don't know. J-O-E, you go first. And then J.O. can go. I, I think my biggest gripe with the superhero movies as of recent is they're just so long. Like, yes. personally. Like, yeah, look at that last fucking review we just had from Joe. The, the, the movie's two and a half hours, <laughs> in, case, in case you couldn't tell. Are any of the Marvel movies under two hours? I'm sure at least one of them was, but I it's yeah. probably been years. I'm going to try to look this up right now. No, they're all very long. And, and I, I would bet that on average they're getting longer. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, especially those Avengers movies were at the end. Then. That's because of digital film. You no longer have the constraints you do with, with actual film. You just fucking keep on rolling. Just fuck it. Do it live. Uh, I, I don't really know if that's sure or not. I don't know anything about making movies. I don't really care either. Anyways, yeah, no, Joe, Joe with the J-O-E, you're definitely right. They're, these movies are so fucking long. They never end. Yeah. How many yeah. UTIs do you think are caused by people holding their urine and watching these goddamn movies? During Marvel movies? How many, how many UTIs <laughs> come from the MCU? How many MCU UTIs are there? Not zero. Let's see. The last one to clock in under two hours was Ant-Man and the Wasp. <laughs> it was an hour and 58 minutes. Nobody oh. <laughs> okay. I just sneezed on myself. No, the last, the last <laughs> one that people actually watched. I mean, I'm yeah, sure. Here's this little indie film about a wasp. We're talking about movies here, <laughs> not not yeah, little so, people's own project. So yeah, none of them have clocked in under 110 minutes, or uh, yeah, under 110. They've all been at least an hour and 52 minutes. So, God, so they are long. Have either of you guys seen a movie in the D box yet? In the what? Yeah, exactly. In the in the in the D box, it's like the new chair that rumbles around when you sit in it. Oh, does it like mist you sometimes too and stuff like that? Yeah, that's Some a different. Do that. That's a different kind of D box. We're not going to put theaters, cinema. No, I have not done one of those yet. That's is, is this too, like, too expensive for me? Is this like the next evolution of like three D XD? Yeah. yeah not, is, now it like shakes you and does stuff to yeah. make you feel more in the action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if your movie is good, I shouldn't need that. Yeah, I shouldn't need to be jostled to attention if your movie is no. captivating. It shouldn't need to be woken up every. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have a little. Welcome to the new deal. Exactly. It's the hand that taps you on the shoulder when you fall asleep. That's what we all. <laughs> I will say that uh, say I'm my brother. He did fall asleep briefly in the Eternal. So again, don't make your movie two and a half hours long if you can help it. I remember Joe fell asleep in Prometheus. I still haven't forgiven him for it. Well, that's a long ass movie. Talk about a long movie. It's a long ass fucking movie. That motherfucker goes on and on. 
it's 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 so silly for a superhero movie to be listen i can watch some of the best cartoons are the animated series the batman animated series batman batman beyond um all those cartoons the cartoon networks you're going up those are all half an hour long great story just, just as much going on there if they can do that in half an hour you can do your movie in under two hours yeah i'm with you i mean the dark knight's probably my favorite and even that's at least like 10 to 15 minutes too long that movie we... doesn't need to be two and a half hours i'm sorry I don't want to make this into, you know, back to back to our legal diatribes. But again, the three sharpest legal minds on the R&R staff are on the show right now. So we got to put them to good use. Can we all agree that it was absolutely immoral for the for Batman to pretend that Two-Face didn't go batshit crazy at the end? And that whole cover up over that in order to push through a wall that essentially stripped away a bunch of criminal rights from people? Wait, whose rights got stripped away in that there was something about in the in the third batman they passed like the harvey dent act that they did do that i don't remember what it was what was it i think it was something about how they could like keep people detained for some amount of time i'm not going to pretend to remember what it was but it was a tool (laughs) that they had at their disposal that was because of the cover-up over harvey dent you're on your computer right now joe google what the dent act did i i'm I'm looking it up yeah read read what the dent act did Put your sharpest legal mind to the task of reading about right, fictional so lies, the, uh, based on fictional people. <laughs> Let's see the uh, Batman fandom wiki here. It says Good. it was so effective it wiped out organized crime by locking up all 1,000 criminals in Gotham City for eight years. Uh, it allowed for gender separations in prisons to cease as well as create stricter penalties its main feature denied parole to the men dense prosecution locked up that does sound pretty messed up (laughs) wow it was all based on a lie well you know (laughs) <laughs> and just no. by the means so. <laughs> Yo, everybody joining us on the podcast Mao's a dong here joining us from the grave telling us about the ends justifying uh, the means yeah um, I mean he, Batman in the Dark Knight series he, he might be a fascist well we just have to admit that one there he's just locking yes, people of course up he is. he's a brutal fascist but he, but he has excellent taste in clothing <laughs> Does he? Yeah, as much fascists do. He had an excellent sense of style. Much better than that commie drab that we always saw them walking around in. That's right. Bane was a freedom fighter, so. Who was? Bane. (laughs) Yeah, well, Bane was. The problem with, really, in that third Batman, there were just no redeeming characters. (laughs) No, not really. You know, I would probably say the most redeeming character was Anne Hathaway's character. At least she had a, you know, she was trying to just, just to get out, back to her daily, you know, back to her life, you know. Um, wait, I have a question related to Bane. Now, <laughs> is this on the serious topic of legal reform in the best <laughs> universe, or is this on something more mundane, like whether or not Bane's mask made any fucking sense? Yes. Um What's the st- what's the uh, consensus on the Venom movie? Because I'm seeing like real oh. different results between like mm. Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and just what people tell me. What Venom movie? I have not actually seen either of those movies, so I, I can't tell you firsthand. What Venom movie? With Tom. Oh, with the with the Spider Man with 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 the with the uh, Alien Spider Man. 
Yeah, with Tom Hardy. Is that Tom Hardy, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. I know. There's, there's I know. two I mean, of them now. I know who Venom is. I will say this. One of the, a really a really nice song from Run the Jewels is their Venom song. Oh. If anybody oh. likes them, I like them. Killer Mike? Killer Mike and LP. LP, yeah. LP. E-L-P, not LP like you might think it's called. I would just encourage anyone who watches the Venom movies or Venom trailer to consider whether or not Tom Hardy's American accent is just uh oh shoot now I'm blanking on his name uh the first Iron Man the guy who got kicked out for Don Cheadle oh. Terrence Howard Terrence Howard his American accent is just Terrence Howard that Watch doesn't the sound right to me Joe it, it, it's correct. It's Terrence Howard's voice. It's just Tom Hardy does Terrence Howard impressions. Oh. Now I'm gonna have to go watch Venom. What are we talking about right now? <laughs> what a great podcast we have. Number <laughs> no, no, go with the Jane. Oh, this is our number sixtieth episode. The big six zero. The right. big six zero. If we were a parent, we would be talking about how this is a very important birthday party and how you need to come see it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, you know what I mean? That's what they were When are you going to give me some grandkids? That's the, that's the other question. Well, Joe? Jim, I think you're much farther along that course. <laughs> than either of us. Yeah. Listen, that's none of your guys' damn business. <laughs> and it's really not, it's really not for this podcast. Uh, no, all, all good things in time. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk to you guys about before I, I log off. I have to have an appointment. I have to keep in about 10 minutes. Um, so the Eternal show gave it a C plus, which is what I guess it would be before you're even knowing about it, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I've got a question. If you got go it. ahead, Joe. And, we're, and this is Joe with the J O and E. Yeah, Joe, you were talking about the the director. I didn't recognize the name of the director, but mm-hmm. you mentioned her a few times. Uh, what's what's her story, or where's she from, or why is she significant in this? So Chloe Zhao is originally from China. I don't believe she grew up there, although I'm not 100 percent on that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, both of her first three movies all are at least partly filmed in South Dakota, so she's really been. It's all been American centric. Uh, I believe the first one or two are Native American protagonists. Hmm. But her first movie was well reviewed. And then her next two, like on Metacritic, they were in the 90s. Like these were as good reviews as you can get. And again, Nomadland actually won Best Picture and Best Director and Best Actress um, last Oscars. So is it a real movie or is it like a documentary? No, real movies. Francis McDormand. Oh, yeah, that's character. Kind of is it a Fargo spinoff in any way? Yeah, so alas, it is not a Fargo spinoff. It was uh, oh, yeah, no, wait, 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 wait. They're, they're in Minnesota and Fargo, not uh, my apologies. Oh, it's a Dakota, Fargo. Oh, is it Dakota? Yeah, Fargo is actually in the Dakotas, but I... Oh, uh, well, so then I'm not, you know, that far off. Yeah, that, that movie balances between, like, the Dakotas and Minnesota, actually. Oh, okay. but. But yeah, so Chloe Zhao is, you know, obviously just kind of become a big deal because she just won Best Director. And then it was like, and now she's doing a Marvel movie. What's it going to be like? And it just kind of ended up like every other Marvel movie, which is disappointing. Um, Obviously, we've seen some directors have been able to put a personal spin on it, like uh, Taika Waititi with Thor Ragnarok. That did feel Uh, like a different movie, especially a, 
a departure from the previous Thors, which were not very good. So we've seen occasionally people been able to make it their own, but I think it, it's a difficult thing to do, especially if you're someone like her, where all of her work was very naturalistic, you know, smaller movies, and then go to something like this, where she's dealing with 11 superheroes. So I think that was kind of the struggle there. Yeah, think of all the egos in that room. <laughs> uh, is she from China or from Taiwan? Because on the Rose Runner podcast, we recognize Taiwan as an independent state, Joe. Do we? Um, yes, I, I I appreciate that. Um, you know, she does. I literally know. Um, she was born in Beijing. So oh, well, that's pretty much definitely China. China yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate for you know their Taiwan thing. But yeah. I'm sure it's a lovely city. I've never been there before. <laughs> Joe Frozen again? No. Uh, no. Am I? No, you're fine. You're, it's probably the uh, CCP. <laughs> Hitting a stone or something, yeah. Over our Taiwan comment, um, yeah. She she went to New York for college and stuff, so I I don't know if that's when she left, but yeah, she's originally from Beijing. Oh, okay, well, very nice, very nice. Um, well, that's a good question, Joe. Any other questions you want to get before we sign off for the night? No, I'm good. Joe Matz, anything you want to add? Anything you want to say about China, Taiwan, Hong <laughs> Kong, Eternals, um, court, criminal justice? Uh, you know, uh, free Hong Kong, free Tibet, Taiwan, stay free, hopefully. So yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. that's my thoughts on those. Good. Um, I'll definitely have more of the potential Oscar stuff coming on this because I, I just saw uh, Belfast, which is uh, the Kenneth Branagh's kind of look back at his youth oh wait are you gonna see the last duel isn't that a big one out right now uh that one kind of just came and went but i do want to see it oh based the reviews were okay to good but then the box office was nothing so i think that one's pretty pretty out of it now mm. apologies to ben affleck not damon <laughs> Speaking of Batman, it was good to see you know, someone who's worn the Cape Crusader cowl not do well in future projects. So, But yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely have some uh, non-Marvel stuff coming our way here. Perfect. Well, very good. Well, um, any opening up, anything else, Joe? I'm all done with saying things I know little to nothing about. If you guys are as well, we'll go ahead and sign off. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Well, this was a lot of fun. Number 66, followed by a zero, followed by Joe, followed Ooh. by an O and an E, followed by Joe with a J and an O. Lots of fun on today's episode. Always glad to have the whole crew here. And we hope you all enjoyed it as well. Follow us at roses underscore rhetoric, Twitter and Instagram. Our website, www.rosesandrhetoric.com. Follow Joe with a J-O-E at a jose4 underscores cuervo on twitter and instagram and you can follow joe mats on twitter as well at joe e mats and if you like fantasy football be sure to check out joe on spotify he has a podcast on there for fantasy football and i think that's it i think that's everybody sounds good all right very good everybody we'll see you all next time until then Ciao.